I've mentioned this before, but I have two daughters. They're four years apart. At the time of this recording, the oldest has just turned 16, and the youngest is 11. And one of the things that I consider myself to be very blessed in is the fact that we have, me and my daughters, I mean, we have very deep conversations sometimes. And I really enjoy listening to their perspectives and their points of views and things. The other day, as we were driving back home, we started engaging in this conversation about education, the educational system, what works and what doesn't. And we have this type of conversation often. Um, but one thing that struck me about this particular conversation was that they both agreed with the fact that part of the reason why the educational system feels so flawed nowadays is because as a whole, we are focusing on the wrong things. One thing that both of them pointed out is that while grades can be important to certain things, the over-reliance on grades and numbers in determining someone's ability or in determining someone's growth or mastery of something is not really, it's kind of misguided. It's not really presenting all the information that is needed in order to make that kind of assessment or reach that kind of conclusion. So as we were talking about it, and as we were having this conversation about why the educational system feels so flawed sometimes, I started thinking back to a concept that I developed at the very beginning of my journey as a communication coach and as a mentor, and it is the integrative compass. So it's viewing human beings and understanding that we operate in a sort of inner compass and that that inner compass as the compass that is used to navigate in the planet has four poles to it. In the case of the inner compass, the four poles are spirit, community, mind, and body. And I thought I could use some time today to talk about not just what makes us unique and separate from other species as humans, but also talk a little bit about what drives the focus within that compass and how we can use two very, very simple tools to start redefining the way our compass operates and the direction we take moving forward. Is your family ready for whatever comes next? As we watch our realities transform almost overnight, parents, teachers, and significant adults wonder, are our kids really ready for this new world? How can we be sure they have all the tools they need? How can we inspire, encourage, and empower them to create secure futures in an uncertain world? How can we help them design better tomorrows? Those are the questions, and this podcast explores the answers. I'm Marcia Amaro, and welcome to Sincerely Speaking. So as I said at the beginning, the conversation started in centering around school and the educational system and why it feels so flawed. Now, again, I've said this a million times, and I will say it again. I believe that teachers as individuals and administrators as individuals, educators in general, are trying their best to do what they can with the tools that they have been given while still trying to comply with the 
demands of a system that is becoming more and more obsolete, right? But that's a conversation for a different time. But I think that part of what makes it feel so flawed is the fact that they are dealing with individual human beings, but they're only focusing on one of the four aspects of what makes a human human. They are not looking at anything really other than the mind and even the mind they're looking at in a very narrow definition of what the mind encompasses they're not really looking at the body the spirit and the community elements of it and there are arguments to be made in all of these um aspects and again i'm generalizing and i am um making some statements that are very broad when in reality if you narrow it down and if you go down to the individual level there will be exceptions but for the most part as a system it focuses on instructing the mind on putting facts and information inside the mind and in that sense quote-unquote filling the mind but it doesn't really look at the body, the spirit, or the element of community in a way that supports the whole individual or in a way that promotes the growth of the whole individual. So when we are thinking about the school system, one of the things that I always say and that I try to promote in the people that work with me is this understanding that we cannot expect the school system to fully and completely prepare our children or anybody that's in that system for that matter because of its limited focus on just the mind or on mostly the mind, I should say. But there are other elements, even within the mind, that go beyond the scope of what the school is prepared to or designed to um, modify or work with. And so the rest of it, the rest of who the individual is, lies in us to find other resources, other tools that can help promote efficient growth in these other areas. And when we look at each of these areas, there are subcategories and sub-elements, right? Like I was trying to say, when you look at the mind, for example, yes, they get information, they get skills, they get um, some tools to help them manage that information and those skills. But they're not really taught about habits. They're not really taught about creation and creativity and how to effectively grow in certain areas. They are very seldom taught how to manage visions and goals and expectations. They are very seldom taught how to maximize that resource of the mind even. And then when we go into the other aspects of what makes an individual, the body, yeah, they're required to take physical education in order to graduate, but physical education is just one thing. What about nutrition? What about self-care? What about body image? What about sustained exercise that goes beyond a sporting event? What about fun and playing and using your body in ways that is creative? Then you move into the spirit. There is very little, if any, talk of any spiritual elements within the school. In fact, it's frowned upon. 
but it's undeniable that it's a huge part of who we are. So as you're looking at the spirit, what do you do about growing that spirit, about recovering from traumatic, dangerous, or challenging situations, about developing a self-concept that is true to our design, about relaxation, about that spiritual growth that will take you beyond whatever the scope is of your limited space that you occupy physically, right? And then community, we're not designed to be on our own. And yes, in schools, they have to interact with other people. Sometimes they're put in collaborative teams. Sometimes they have to manage disagreements and some other types of discord and um, difficulties with other people. But are they really taught the tools to disagree effectively? Are they really taught how to have productive conversations that don't feel like negative confrontations or to understand even that a confrontation is not necessarily a bad thing? Are they taught how to fully contribute? Are they taught to express what they believe in a space that promotes relationship instead of thwarting it. So there are so many different things that fall into who we are as individuals and what makes us us that are not addressed by the educational system because it would be very difficult to standardize or to make it so that it is effective without being borderline offensive at some points or without falling into realms that are a little bit gray, right? So as I, we have our conversation today, what I want to do is talk a little bit about what is the driving force that really moves the needle within that compass and that allows us to focus on and grow certain areas of our lives and how we can start within ourselves and by modeling and maybe even teaching this to the important people in our lives, promoting a greater growth in all of us that will move us towards having a compass that is in working order and that allows us to navigate whatever might be um, happening in our lives at the moment, whether it is um, something job-related, something school-related, something family-related, something related to ourselves or something related to someone else. What are some things that we can start doing? And again, I told you at the beginning, I'm going to give you two very specific tools that are going to help you Move yourself in a way that aligns the things in your compass, but it's also going to help you model and teach to the important people in your life how to do the same for their lives, right? So if you're ready, here's the nitty gritty of this conversation that we're having today. Envision, if you will, a compass, right? It's a circle. And on that compass, you have four poles. For our conversation about the integrative compass, I want you to visualize that at the top of that compass, there's an S, which stands for spirit. At the very bottom, there's an M that stands for mind. On the left 
of that compass, there's a B that stands for body. And at the right of that compass, there's a C that stands for community, right? So those are the four poles of our inner compass, what drives us, what moves us, what allows us to navigate certain circumstances or situations, what actually allows us to navigate our way through the journey that is our life. Now, if you have ever seen a compass, you know that there's a needle in the middle of that compass and that needle moves depending on our direction where we're going. So in this particular instance for our inner compass, I want you to imagine that that needle, instead of being driven by the magnetic North Pole, right, is driven by two very important things. One is self-talk and the other one is focus. So in essence, what is moving that needle is the result of our values and our beliefs, right? So let me say that again. What controls how we navigate through that inner compass, what controls the direction in which we're going and what helps us understand or see whether the direction needs correcting or not is our self-talk and our focus, which in turn is leveraged or anchored by our values and our beliefs, right? So I hope that's making sense. I hope you're able to visualize it. Now, the reason I say that is because, as I've said before in other um, episodes, we don't really do the things that we think. We do the things that we believe or that we understand to be true. We're not moved by thought. We're moved by belief. We're not moved by um, any mental or psychological process, we are moved by something that is more spiritual, really, which is our belief system and our values. That is what really triggers any movement in us. You don't really start moving towards change until there's a deep-seated belief inside of you that that change needs to happen and that the cost of the change is less than the cost of staying the same, right? So how do we work that area of belief and values which are pretty cemented and that are hard to change? It starts with, if it, you, don't, you might not need to change it, right? But how do we manage it? How do we work more consciously with something that is so unconscious? Well, it starts with being aware of our self-talk and being aware of our focus, where we're placing focus at any given time. Now, I know that those things shift very rapidly, but there are two tools that I'm going to share with you today that are going to help you determine at any given moment where your focus needs to be And whether your self-talk, what you tell yourself in your inner mind is promoting and helping movement that aligns with the focus or not, right? So I know I just went very esoteric and very abstract and very out there. So I hope this is all making sense. But let's now get down to the nitty gritty, to the actionable parts. So what are those two things that we can do that are going to help us manage our self-talk and our focus in a way that will move in alignment with where we want to go and what our ultimate goals are? And I know you've heard this before, but I am going to hopefully give you a little bit of a uh, twist on them, a little bit of a tweak. So those tools are visualizing and journaling. 
visualizing and journaling. Again, you've heard visualizing and journaling before, but here's the kicker, here's the problem. Visualizing is meant, it's usually presented in a way that most people interpret as something esoteric almost, as something that has to be done in closed quarters with no noise or just a certain type of music with maybe even incense burning or i don't know something meditative in some way visualizing doesn't have to be that visualizing can happen in a split second and visualizing actually happens every moment of the day um, most fears are the result of a visual a visualization which leads to at least a momentary belief right so you are in your house by yourself at night and there's a noise. In that quick second after you hear the noise, you visualize someone entering your house, which leads to a belief that someone's breaking in, which leads to the feeling of fear. There has not been any evidence to that other than just a noise that could be anything. But because of that split second visual visualization, you are led to a belief which leads to you're reacting in fear or to that emotion that causes you to freeze or fly or whatever it is right so visualization it's just the process of creating an image in your mind about a future event right that is all visualization is so creating an image in your mind that relates to a future event like even in that split second you are visualizing somebody entering the house you haven't seen it yet you are seeing it in the future that you're envisioning that if you go downstairs that's what you're going to see right which leads to that belief so it doesn't have to be far ahead in the future but visualization again is just creating an image in your mind related to something that you haven't seen happen yet so it's something in the future. So visualization can be a split second thing. It can be a more prolonged thing. It can even be something that you schedule into your day and you make into a practice. But here's the thing. Once you have determined what your area of priority is, if you create an image or elicit an image about it, it is going to create a shift in your compass needle that is going to help you focus more on whatever it is that is that outcome that you're desiring, that is that future result that you want to see and that you're envisioning. And I'm not talking about some mumbo-jumbo magic. I'm just talking about the fact that we are very creative, very visual beings just by our nature. And if we allow our minds to go into its creation mode it can create all sorts of things that can either move us in the direction that we want to go or hinder movement in that direction so when we start controlling our visualizations and becoming more aware of what we have been visualizing and becoming more agile and more practiced in changing the visualizations that don't serve us to visualizations that do the more we're going to be able to then shift our focus to the things that are true priorities, 
right? So let me give you a for instance. You are in the middle of a project and the project is taking longer than you have anticipated. And you start visualizing failing in this project. You start visualizing not being able to get it done. You start visualizing and it's not always conscious, right? But in the back of your mind, you start seeing yourself failing and you start seeing yourself not being able to complete it in time. And you start seeing your boss or the other people involved getting aggravated with you because the project is not done in time. That's all visualization. So what if you could instead stop yourself, catch that negative or that unproductive visualization and shift it to something that is more conducive towards getting things done, right? So instead of visualizing yourself trying to answer to your boss or your colleagues or your family as to why this task has not been completed what if you stop yourself and you say no wait let me visualize myself becoming really focused and agile in this task let me visualize myself going in there with a smile on my face presenting this project done that is going to immediately shift the energy that you bring into the project because you're no longer thinking about failing. You're thinking about getting it done. It's going to shift what you focus on because you're no longer looking at what's left to be done. You're looking at what's in front of you and how you can get it done more effectively, right? Now, some of the ways in which you can visualize, especially for long goals, long-term goals, are very commonly known. You can create a vision board that you can keep in a, an accessible place and look at whenever you start feeling stuck. You can find um, pictures or images that help you think about it. You can find music that can help you put your mindset in a place where you are focusing on those positive things and visualizing the end result. But visualization is a very key element. And the most important part of it is becoming aware of your visualizations and then changing them. As a Christian, I look at it more as using the tool, right? And in the Bible, it says whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever is... Um, I forgot the last word, but anyway, whatever is good, think on these things. So the Bible instructs us to direct our thoughts and our vision to the things that are positive. And that's what you're doing here. You are trying to figure out how to shift the image that you're creating in your head of what the future is going to look like from something that stops you on your tracks to something that promotes you taking action because it helps you see the end result as a positive one, right? Now, the other tool, like I said, is journaling. Now, the problem with journaling is this. We have never been taught how to effectively journal in a way that helps promote our focus and move us in the right direction. So I have gotten into this habit of using a blank journal, right? So I don't have an agenda per se. I do have calendar pages in my journal that help me keep track of appointments and things of that nature, but I just have a blank journal with lined pages. And in that journal, I separate each day into four areas that I am going to explain to you right now, all right? So four areas that I focus on and that help me focus my day, 
right? So these are the four areas that I always have in my journal. The first one and the most important to me is gratitudes. So most experts in time management suggest that you work on your journal before going to bed. So that should be the last thing that you do before retiring to bed. And in gratitudes, you're listing at least three to ten things, specific things that you're grateful for about that day, right? So what are the three to ten things that happened that day that you can think back on it and be grateful, be grateful about? I usually keep it at three. Some people say push it to 10 because if you can think of 10 things, then you can think of 20, you can think of 30, and it will really rebalance how you're looking at your day in general. But whether you do it at night or you do it in the morning, make sure that you have gratitudes posted on that journal page that you can go back and look at that force you to think about what went well or what you are anticipating will go well or what is something that you're grateful and happy about before you move forward. The second section that I always have in my journal are my top three things. So here's something that I dislike about to-do lists or agendas. And I'm going to talk about agenda in a minute, but about regular planners or agendas is that it gives you space to list a million and a half things that you need to get done. And then what tends to happen at the end of the day is that you look at the things you didn't get done and that makes you feel unaccomplished, even if you've done a bunch of things. Like you might have a 20 item to-do list and you might accomplish 15, but you look at the five that you didn't and you feel like, oh, I didn't get everything done. And it gives you this sinking feeling of never having enough time. That's not what you want from your journaling experience and that's not what you want from your time management experience or from the focus you're putting into your life. So the suggestion is have your top three. What are the three things that if you get those three things done, you will feel like your day has been successful, like your day has been productive, like your day has been the best that it could be, right? And be realistic but also be a little bit ambitious in those three things, right? So have at least one of those top three things be something that pushes you beyond what you're normally comfortable with or something that challenges what you're able to do in a day. And then have the other two be things that, yes, move the needle in the right direction, that, yes, will make you feel accomplished, but that you know that you can get them done. And have those three, uh, top three things listed in your journal page before you even think about the next thing, which is your daily agenda, right? Now, when I say daily agenda, I don't mean a minute by minute by minute by minute by minute um, task list. That is, again, going to accomplish the opposite of what we want, is going to, f in, in, in the end and in the long run lead you to focus on the wrong thing on the things you didn't get done so what i mean by agenda is this okay in order to accomplish my top three these are the things that i need to do this is how long they're going to take me or i anticipate that they're going to take me and these are the things that i actually have scheduled in agenda that have specific times in which they need to be done so that includes like meetings or um I don't know, 
if you have a podcast or something that needs to be released at a specific time or anything that has an appointment, anything that has specific times that need to be kept, then you put them in there too. And what you're doing is you're trying to think, and I do it by hours because that works best for me, but most people, that's not the most productive uh, way to do it. So just how long do you anticipate that this task is going to take you? So let's say that one of your top three is to make the outline for uh, an ebook that you're going to write. I don't know. Or you, one of your top three is to... Um, take your spouse out on a date. That's one of your top three. So in order to take your spouse out on a date, you need to make a reservation and you need to plan your outfit. I don't know. I'm thinking of the top of my head here. So you put in your agenda, make reservation. Now, I anticipate that making a reservation is going to take me 10 minutes, Right? So I write make reservation and I write 10 minutes next to it. Now what I normally do is anything that is scheduled, anything that's a specific time, I put those on there first and I leave space in between that corresponds to the amount of time that's in between each one. So let's say that I have an appointment at 1.30 and then I have another appointment at 5. So I would leave about three lines in between the 1.30 and the 5, right? And anything that I have, because my 1.30 appointment might go through 2.30, then anything that I have that's 30 minutes, an hour, that I can squeeze in there or that I can comfortably do in that time, I will write in between with the amount of time it's going to take me. Does that make sense? So what you're doing in this particular instance with the journaling is visualizing your day. It's visualizing the things that need to happen in order for you to feel like you have moved your needle in the right direction, like you have focused on the right things. And then the other thing that I include in my journal, so it's the gratitudes, it's the top three it's the agenda. And then the other thing that I include is I call it notes, but it's really a tracking of my self-talk, of my thoughts, of what I feel good about, what I don't feel good about, right? So I write down on there, okay, I caught myself saying to myself that I was a loser and that I couldn't get this done. The truth is that I can't get this done. I just need to focus again. So I catch myself in the moments in which I am having thoughts or ideas or actions that are less than productive. Oh, I caught myself spending an hour and a half watching Netflix. Can't do that anymore. Or whatever. So I keep notes of what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, how they correlate, what my vision is throughout the day, what I'm visualizing throughout the day, what I'm telling myself throughout the day. And I start being more aware of the things that are going on in my mind and how they correlate to my day and to what I need to get done. Of course, as I go through my day, also, if there are notes, that actual notes that I need to take about a task or about a conversation with someone, I put them down in there too. I have everything in one journal, one notebook that I can go back and look at and say, okay, this day was really productive. These were the things that I was thinking. These were the things that were happening. These are the results that I got so that I can then try to systematize or duplicate 
what worked and remove or reduce what didn't so again <laughs> this has been a little bit longer than usual but i'm hoping that you're getting the gist of what we can start doing to promote in ourselves and in our families in our children and the important people in our lives growth and expansion that goes beyond what the educational system can provide with its limitations and start moving in a direction that supports our navigating through the world by understanding our body our spirit our community and our mind and moving forward in a way that is productive and conducive to our realizing our greatest potential and our greatest vision. I want to sincerely thank you for joining in this conversation today. I know your time is precious and I don't take your sharing in this conversation with me lightly. There's a million other things you could be doing. So again, I want to thank you for being here with me today. I hope you have found great value, inspiration, and encouragement in our conversation today. And if you have, I invite you to share this podcast with someone else who you think might need that bit of inspiration today. I also want to invite you to head on over to marciamara.com where you will have access to tons of additional resources including a free pdf copy of my tough talks checklist which walks you through step by step how to engage in those not so easy conversations with the people closest to you i hope to chat again with you soon again this is marcia maro and this has been sincerely speaking